Well, good morning, everyone, and let me add my welcome to Emmanuel's. Uh, my name's Anil Apadi. I'm the Associate Minister here, if we've not met. Uh, a special welcome again to our guests who have joined us, uh, uh, joined Chris and uh, Louise for Thea's baptism. It's lovely to have you with us. Um, I can see a few little ones around church. As Emmanuel said, we, we love children here, um, and they all seem to be... Um, really well engaged with what we're doing. But if for some reason they feel a bit restless or, or you want some space, we do have some uh, COVID-safe um, zones at the back there with COVID-safe toys and things. So if that's uh, for you, if you feel that'd be helpful, feel free. But we love having children here in church. Um, I want to say as well, as I start my sermon, uh, that today we're thinking about uh, how we comfort people uh, who are suffering. And some of what I may say, uh, some of what I will say rather, may bring up some emotions uh, in you as well. I pray that you find uh, this church this morning uh, to be a safe space and that you will find comfort in our Lord Jesus. We have some friends who a couple of years ago um, were looking forward to the birth of their second child just after Christmas, uh, a little boy. As you can imagine, the house was already uh, ready, made up to receive this baby. Their first child was excited uh, to welcome home their little brother. The baby was born shortly after Christmas. However, tragically, he died shortly after being born due to an unknown condition. Walking with that family through their grief was one of the greatest privileges of my life to be a witness to the rawness of their emotions, their great pain, their frustrations, their many questions, and their hurts. What was remarkable to me throughout their grief was the faith they demonstrated. Some awareness of God's abiding presence with them in the midst of their pain and sadness. When I was with them, I, I, I didn't say much at all, really. I doubt they remember much of what I did say. But as they grieved, they probably ministered to my heart far more than I did to theirs. Suffering will affect each of us at some point in our lives. But far more often, suffering will affect the people who we know and love. So how do we respond to those we love who are suffering? What does God say about this? Today we're looking at that question as we consider together how Job's three friends, his closest friends, respond to him in his trials, in his times of great suffering. And spoiler alert, what they say is pretty useless. But we will see our loving Father God showing us a better way. And this is what God is saying to us today from his word. Brothers and sisters, comfort those in trouble with the comfort you have received from God. Brothers and sisters, comfort those in trouble with the comfort you have received from God. Last week we began our short series in the book of Job, uh, setting the scene for the drama of this book. Uh, we were introduced to Job, a, a man who God calls righteous, a man who is wealthy, healthy, and wise, a respected member of his community. And we saw how God had allowed the devil, the Satan, to test Job's righteousness, 
by stripping him of everything he has. He loses everything he owns, his children, all in one day. And then he experiences a, a great sickness on another day. Our section last week ended with this uh, appalling picture of Job sitting on a pile of ashes, scraping away the sores and blisters that cover his skin with a piece of broken pottery. That's, that's, that's not a nice image, is it? That's normally not the kind of thing you come to church to hear about. But it is the picture that God gives us in his words, the Bible. You see, sometimes we might be squeamish, where we might gloss over the details of someone's suffering or put a smile on our sad emotions, the Bible is always very real and very vivid. God never sugarcoats suffering. But you know, what Job experiences in these opening chapters it isn't unique to him. Sure, that the time frames of his tragedies have been squashed a bit, but every one of us, at some point, at some stage in our lives, are likely to have a Job-like season of suffering. Perhaps you're in a season of suffering right now. And we all have friends who experience Job-like seasons of suffering. Perhaps you know someone right now who is going through the mill. Brothers and sisters, comfort those who are suffering with the comfort you have received from God. People often remember Job for uh, the tragedies he goes through, but that's only seven verses in this whole book. Most of the book is actually taken up with conversations between Job and his three friends, uh, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Nahamite. When they heard about Job's troubles, they came together to, to visit him, to sympathize with him and comfort him. Chapter 2, verse 11. As they approach their friend from a distance, they see him so disfigured, so broken, and their hearts are broken for him. When they get near to him, these three friends sit with Job for seven days and seven nights, and no one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was, verse 13. This is one of the things that we learn from Job's friends. It's often when we see our friends and loved ones suffering that our first reaction is to weep for them, to cry, to make ourselves emotionally available to show them that we love them. It's heartbreak, isn't it? To see someone we love suffer in some way. They may feel so alone, so isolated, like no one gets them or no one gets what they're going through. To weep with someone doesn't say, I feel your pain, but says, I love you. I'm upset too. It breaks my heart that I can't fix this, but here I am with you in the midst of this. I'm reminded of our Lord Jesus who can calm the storm with a word, who spoke this universe into being, yet he was deeply moved by the suffering of his friend when their brother died. Jesus didn't stand cold and detached, even though he had the power to change the situation. No. Jesus wept at the pain of his friend's suffering. Jesus wept at the brokenness of this world that he created. And Jesus came to do something about it, as we'll see in a moment. 
So the friends weep with Job, but they also do something well. They sit silently with Job. When we see our loved ones' broken condition, when we hear of their terminal illness, when we learn of their marital breakdown, words can fail us. And we hold a device in the palm of our hands that gives us all the world's uh, wisdom and in an instant. And yet when faced with a friend's suffering, we often have nothing to say. And that's not a bad thing. One of the best things we can do for a person who is suffering is to be present for them. Not to say anything, not to fix anything, but just being willing to be with them. To ignore the awkwardness, to embrace the silence. As his friends did for seven days. I don't know, perhaps they took time off work. Perhaps they changed their plans and cancelled their holidays. What a gift of time they gave Job. No pressure to leave his side. How precious that must have been to him. Giving up our time to those who are suffering can be a cooling balm for their burning wounds. Not just a a one-off visit, but intentional time. So silence and weeping were likely to have been great gifts to Job in his early days of suffering. Brothers and sisters, comfort those in trouble with the comfort you have received from God. Then after seven days of silence and weeping, Job speaks in chapter 3, and what Job says is bitter and tragic. This is the third thing we can learn from Job's three friends. We can listen without interruption. We can allow our friends to speak, to pour out their hearts, to allow them to scream and shout. We can listen, and when they stop speaking, we can continue to listen. I've had the privilege of counseling many people in broken situations, and the one thing I've learned is that just because a person has stopped speaking, it doesn't mean it's my turn to start. Oftentimes, if I allow the silence to linger, they will continue to speak again. Job is broken and in emotional agony, and he basically wishes he'd never been born. Reading Job's first speech is heartbreaking. Chapter 3, verses 24 to 26. For sighing comes to me instead of food. My groans pour out like water. What I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness, no rest, but only turmoil. Perhaps you're feeling like this this morning. Like you're standing in the sea and having the constant pounding of the waves just crashing upon you over and over again as the the sand beneath your feet keeps ebbing away with every movement of the waves. No peace, no quietness, no rest. I don't know how often you talk to God, but when you are deep in the pit of despair, don't think that he is too distant to hear you. We have a God who cares deeply about us, who delights to hear us speak to him, who encourages us to bring to him our burdened and weary souls, who promises us rest, 
Not just in our season of trials, but rest for our souls. When we, we can cry to him, we can scream and we can shout to him. He's a God who's big enough to carry our burdens. And when you are ministering to a friend who is suffering, you can help them to bring their burden to Jesus by encouraging them to cry out to him. And when their throat is parched from their crying, you can pray for them. You can cry out to God for them. The God of the Bible is not far off. He is near. And he hears your voice as you speak to him. So speak to him. Brothers and sisters, comfort those in troubles with the comfort you have received from God. Silence, weeping, and listening. Three gifts of comfort we can offer those who suffer. But it's at this point that Job's friends stop being an example to us. Chapter 4 through to the end of chapter 31, Job's friends argue with him in three cycles. They spend most of this time grinding his nose in his misery and kicking him when he's down. Why? Well, because these three friends are old enough and wise enough to know how the world works. At least they think they are. You see, they believed in God. We've got a a lot of guests in church today. Uh, Perhaps you believe in God, perhaps you don't. But these three friends believed in a God, and this God was a particular kind of God. For these three friends, God was some giant scorekeeper in the sky, constantly balancing the scales for all mankind. And for them, God is a God of justice. And at least that much we can agree on. A God who punishes the wicked. Bad things only happen to bad people. You might say that's their mantra in life. The worse a person you are, the worse the punishment God inflicts upon you. And so, by their logic, Job must have been some great, dirty, rotten bloke. I mean, he must have been, right? To lose his property, his children, his livestock, his wealth, his health? Job must have been the worst of the worst to get this sort of punishment. Now, don't get me wrong, the God I believe in is a God of justice. And one day I and everyone who has ever existed will need to stand before him and give an account for our lives, whether we believe in him or not. But the way these three friends describe God is more like the Hindu doctrine of karma than the Bible's description of God. Miserable comforters, that's what Job calls them. Will your long-winded speeches never end, he asks, chapter 16, verse 2. I don't know about you, but I know that I can be like this sometimes. When faced with another person suffering, when I try to find a root cause for it, try to find something or someone to blame. If you've just done this or that, your partner might not have left you. If you paid for your health insurance, you'd be better by now. If you'd gone to the doctor sooner, it wouldn't have got so bad. There must have been some medical negligence. Miserable comforters, aren't we all? Making long-winded speeches. For that couple I introduced at the start of my sermon, this was perhaps the most bitter part of their suffering. The constant questions and theories of friends to explain why their little boy had died so unexpectedly. There was literally no answer to it. 
but their friends and family kept giving suggestions, constantly grinding them down with when they already felt like powder. In these three friends, we find the wisdom of the world, the, the Google and Siri replies to our present situations. Sure, there is some wisdom buried there, but so often we'll never know what causes a person's suffering, not this side of eternity. But we don't need to have answers to minister to their hearts. Job's friends came close to him to sympathize with him, to comfort him, and yet they ended up being miserable comforters. So how should we respond to those who are suffering? What does God say about that? Brothers and sisters, comfort those in trouble with the comfort you have received from God. How do we receive comfort from God? Well, a guy later in the Bible, Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, we also, uh, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Paul says that God is the Father of compassion. He is the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles through the suffering of his son, Jesus. How does sharing in the suffering of Jesus bring us comfort? Well, because no matter how deep our suffering is, Jesus experienced a much greater suffering for us, which should fill our hearts with love for him. Jesus is fully God and fully man. He experienced the most severe suffering for us. Job's friends ground him down with their words, but Jesus' friends abandoned him completely. One even betrayed him to his death. He was forsaken by his father God at the cross, experiencing unimaginable torture, betrayal, and abandonment. He went through all of that for you, whether you love him yet or not. Jesus' suffering brings us comfort because it demonstrates his love for us. But also because it shows us that our God is not some distant, scorekeeping God who is balancing the scales in the sky. In Jesus, we do not have a friend who gives us empathy. But we have a brother who has been through the mill ahead of us because he loves us. A brother who weeps aloud at your pain, who feels it deeply like a gut punch in himself. Jesus, who, when he walked this earth, gave time to those who were suffering, who touched the untouchables. Job's friends were miserable comforters. But Jesus is the God of all comfort, who, if you believe and trust in him, has given you his spirit, the comforter he calls him, to live inside of you and to bring you comfort. Now sometimes what I've said will be just words. Maybe today this is for you, just words. 
Sure, God's Spirit might bring me comfort, but it doesn't feel like it today. And you're right. Sometimes we need someone to weep with us, or to sit silently with us, or to listen to us. And that's where, in his beautiful mercy and wisdom, God has provided us with each other, his church. Brothers and sisters, as those who know and love the Lord Jesus, as those who have experienced his comfort, as those who know his love, there are times when our friends and family are so drowned by their sorrows that all they can think about is just kicking for the surface. For them, we carry in ourselves the comfort of Jesus. We can practically, physically, emotionally provide comfort for them, the comfort that Jesus offers them, if only they weren't gasping for breath themselves. In these moments, we can be Jesus to them as we draw upon the reservoir of comfort Jesus gave us through his own sufferings. Brothers and sisters, comfort those in trouble with the comfort you have received from God. If you are sitting here today and you know and love Jesus, then he is calling you to minister to the weary, to the broken, to the suffering around you with some measure of the love and comfort you have received from him. But if you're sitting here today and you don't know Jesus, let me encourage you to cry out to him in your suffering. He won't crush you. He won't break you. And he won't reject you, I promise. In your suffering, be brave and share it with someone you know who is a Christian. Perhaps someone who invited you to church today, perhaps someone in this church family, perhaps with me. Allow us to minister to you with the comfort and love that Jesus has given to us. I want to give my closing words today to my friends I mentioned earlier, for them to share with us all practically how we can comfort those who are suffering. In reflection on their experience, they said this. For me, I'd say I don't, don't be afraid to talk about or mention whatever the situation your friends are going through is. With regards to our little boy, I only ever get to talk about him if people ask, and it helps to keep his memory alive. People think they'll upset us if they mention it. And as much as I do get upset and emotional about his memory, it's nice to be able to talk about him, as it means he was real and was with us, no matter how briefly. I think this is true for most loss and suffering. And for people to know that they should listen and to know that they don't always have to talk about their experiences of, or other people's loss. A number of people gave us experiences of people that they had known. And I know these people meant well, but they simply had just to listen to us. Their situation was not ours, and we can't compare. Perhaps you might find those words helpful. Brothers and sisters, comfort those in trouble with the comfort you have received from God. Cry out to him and share your burdens with one another. Please bow your heads to pray.
Father God, as we sit before you now, some of us may be suffering greatly, and no one else may know about it because we're afraid of what we would, they would think about us or ashamed or frightened that they might reject us. By your spirit, Lord, minister to each of our hearts with the love of your son, our Lord Jesus. Comfort us, Father, as you have promised. And strengthen us to not abandon one another in times of greatest need, but to be those who carry each other through the dark valleys, to tilt their heads to look to Jesus when they lack the energy to do it themselves. Cause us to weep, to be present, and to listen to those who are suffering. Father God, give us tender hearts. O oh Lord, we pray. Amen.